It all depended on like what type of a, an input system that we had. Called the computer. Yeah. Heard of it? No, but he, then he was like, it was too much. I didn't know what he was talking about. That's the problem. I need <clears throat> we need the person who understands the idiot. That's Tom. Tom okay. can be our mediator. Okay. He's the bridge. Pontifex. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. For podcasting, it would be like the podcasting X. <clears throat> Think these things through before you say them. Who does that? Yeah. <laughs> that's boring. I'm out. Yeah, if that's gonna be the case, then what are we doing? Is that what yeah, is that what our podcast was founded on? <laughs> thinking. thinking things through before we speak. I hope it's not. actually founded on pretty much exact opposite. The exact, exact opposite. In our mission statement yeah. is the exact opposite <laughs> of that statement. Oh um, gosh, don't call it a mission statement. You're right. Mon- uh, manifesto. We'll call it a manifesto. Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. I've thought about this with euphemisms, like using the Lord's name in vain, people just get in the habit of never saying Jesus or God unless they're talking about him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. We we had certain words that were off limits like that. You couldn't say Jesus. You can say God unless you know you're in church or something. But shut up. We couldn't say hate. We couldn't say. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. Like particularly if you were talking about a sibling, like oh, I hate you. That was so ugly. We yeah. couldn't say it. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting putting up putting up walls for kids. You know, totally. You carry that through to adulthood in a big way. Like. Oh, I can't say that or I can't do that. Have you heard the story of Scott's friend's dog when he was living in the apartment in college? Where, like, one of the roommates had a bedroom where um, he didn't really like the dog, so the dog didn't go in there. Not that the guy was beating it or anything, but it was just, made it, he made it clear he was unwelcome. And so the dog just, like, even when the door was open, would never go in there, you know? Um, and one day they were thro- they were getting him all riled up, throwing a tennis ball around, and he's going to get in the ball and like starting to get really, you know, dogish. And the ball goes into the room. <laughs> it's like, and he's he starts like running right at it at the open door, and then he's like he stops, and then he just starts kind of convulsing, like <laughs> rolling on his back, like I don't know what to do, because <laughs> he wanted so bad to get the ball to keep the game going, but like in his brain. Was, I cannot pass this threshold. Yeah. Um, but if that happens in a dog's brain, how much more does it happen with us? Like, where you, you get to a point. I mean, we're, maybe we're better at just saying, like, um, screw it. Like, I'm just going to go against my principles. But I don't think so. I mean, I think I, I've seen that with, um, you know, not to get into any, like, real specific stories or anything like that, but with people that I've just known kind of like around college age the past few years, a couple of different examples where they've had a very clear, not so much like the the euphemisms, the words that you're talking mm-hmm. about, but a very clear moral line mm-hmm. that it's like, I am okay, I'm, I'm good as long as I don't cross that line. You're right. And like whatever it is, if it's, um, you know, it's different for different people, if it's getting like, 
you know, just wasted drunk or if it's, uh, you know, like sexual stuff. Yeah. Like having sex with somebody before, before marriage, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Like that's my line. I don't Mm -hmm. do that. And I found that like just in, in friendships with a couple of these people that for whatever reason, whatever the circumstances that something happened where they crossed that line, like in a, in a real sense, their world kind of comes crashing down mm-hmm. around them, you know, because all of a sudden it's, you know, from an outsider's perspective, from a friend, you don't re- like you don't rejoice in any way that they might be in a state of sin or like the hurt they're going through. But you can also see like the openness for grace that that person has right there, mm. because all of a sudden it's not about anymore like me making myself a good person and me making myself good enough like as long as i, as I, I stay within these fences exactly i'm fine yep as long as i don't do that then i'm a good christian mm-hmm. um and well, so it's like negative religion you're like yep. well my religion says i can't do these things sure um and as long as i don't then i get to go to heaven but it's not really what christianity says right i mean there are there are certain limits to what a human being can do and still remain a full human being, you know, mm-hmm. in, in his or her dignity. Like, things are beneath our dignity. You can't cross this line. Mm-hmm. But it's much more about what you do. Being a Christian is more positive than negative. Um, sure. But, yeah, it's interesting. Like, in child rearing, I mean, kind of like dog training, where you have these limits where you say, like, you can't bark. You can't go in this room. You can't do this, and, and dogs then know the limits, and that's pretty much good enough for them. They can be a good dog, knowing what they're not supposed to do, bite, bark, whatever. And with raising children, a lot of it is like, don't say this, don't do this, don't lie, mm-hmm. um, don't be mean to your sister. Um, but hopefully something happens where, when they grow into adolescence and then into adulthood where that moral compass is internalized. And it's pointing them in a direction in life rather than like setting up bumpers in the bowling alley where it's like you're never going to get a gutter ball because you know not to go here or there. Um, There's something keeping you from falling into the ditch. Now you are excited to run down enthusiastically this path uh, towards happiness, fulfillment, love, generosity, um, where like it's not just about what can I get away with. Or what's because that's still that's still like t- sort of pointing you, like if I could get away with this, I'd do it because that's what I really want out of life. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, which gets to like the even the question of where is the line so that I can tow it is just the wrong question. Yeah, you know where where okay how far can I go up until it's which is the no question longer. every college student asks about. Yeah, about I sex. I ask it. I still ask it sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, and I mean the question looks different now in mm-hmm. seminary. Um, but it, I think it's really especially dangerous and when your identity becomes to be begins to be wrapped up in that um, you know as long as I do X Y or Z obviously as long as I don't cross this threshold then I'm still a good person and then once that breaks you know I think of um, people who commit atrocities in war they didn't just they didn't just jump to that atrocity there was something that they had to break you know a the what is it the principle of natural law mm-hmm. that killing another person generally does not come easy for the 
mentally sane person. Mm-hmm. And so in order to kind of progress along that line to the atrocity that is committed, you had to have broken a threshold. You had to have stepped over that line time and time again. And your identity begins to, to change and just, you can get lost, you yeah. know? You have those people who, once they, once they kill in war, it's like, oh, okay, I don't even know who thing. I am now. I've done right. the worst thing a human being can do. And I'm not punished for it. There's yeah. no consequence. What, what can I it. do? What can I do outside of this? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I murdered somebody or, or X, Y, or Z, or, oh, I, I, you know, went off and got hammered last night. Forget about it. You know, that was always my thing was once I made a really big, <laughs> once I made one really big mistake and it was like, oh, I'm already, you know, I've already fallen. <laughs> so let's just party it up this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a bad Friday. It's going to be an even worse Saturday. <laughs> I'm already in the dumps kind of deal. I'm like, okay, I need to go to confession on Sunday. Um, but that's what it does. That's what the line does. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just the wrong question. Yeah. It's like the Raptors from Jurassic Park. They just test every part of the fence. And when <laughs> one of them's weak, you go over and then it's mayhem. Dude, just Jurassic, like Jurassic Park. Park. It's exactly the same thing. <laughs> Dogs go to heaven, goats go to hell. You know, but what I've noticed uh, as a priest now is that, like, the thing that pushes me more than anything, or has pushed me in my life, towards, like, living the kind of life that I know I want to live and I know I should live at every moment, no matter if people are watching or not, is the knowledge that I'm living for other people, that other people are counting on me to be a certain way. They're leaning on me. You know, you become, to some extent, I mean, everyone is someone else's standard of, of good. And I have people in my mind that live in my mind that when I have a question of, like, how I should use my time or what I should do in a certain situation, I wonder, like, what would they do or what is this person doing right now? And I say, you know, that's my standard of goodness and I want to be like that. Um, well, the knowledge of the fact that you are that for other people you know, this is especially true of parents, I think, when your your life is not no, is no longer about like, how do I maintain my own internal sense of self? And like, what are my moral boundaries where if I go, go across that, my, my ego is like really damaged. And I, you know, it's no longer about the ego. It's about like, well, my children are counting on me to be a good father. And a good father doesn't do this, right? No matter if people know it or not, you know, doesn't go to that website, doesn't ingest this substance, you know, right? Um, because, you know, God forbid, what if they did find out? You know, what, that would, not that that's the point of it, but you, you know, when your life is about other people, your existence is centered outside of yourself, then the moral boundaries aren't about, like, maintaining your castle, of like I'm a good person. Oh, I'm a really good person, you know. God, you know, God will let me into heaven. I'm a right. good person. Um, no, it's like you have a mission in life now because there's other people involved. And so your job is to live for them. And part of that is not just doing generous things for them, providing for them, but being the kind of person who is their father. Mm-hmm. Um, and I certainly notice that as a priest, a much higher um, standard I set for myself. And not unrealistic. I'm not, you know, it's not like, oh, geez, you know, I got to do this for the people. And if I'm not perfect, then I'm 
you know, just a tragedy of a father. Letting them all down. Right. Right. I mean, there has to be a sense that God's love for me is unconditional. Um, I'm a priest forever. He's decided that. And no matter my weakness, it can't change that. But at the same time, like, Christian, remember your dignity, you know. Yeah, the heart, I mean, it's getting to the very heart of Christianity, which is God choosing us. It's not us choosing him first. So it's a response to that love, mm-hmm. like you were saying there. Yeah. I had I had something this weekend that pretty much is exactly what you're talking about. was down doing some work in the city with the homeless, and uh, a guy came up, and he, you know, I guess you could say he kind of looked the part, and I was just going to eat dinner with him and sit down and just have some conversation with him, and um, he was kind of a real uh, energetic guy and older or younger um, no he was younger he was probably mid-30s just caucasian dude and um you know it was really cold and everyone was really hungry you could tell but he was super excited to talk to me and i told him oh yeah i'm uh you know just down here this is the first time i've been down here and, and he immediately goes oh well what are is this community service do you have to do you have to do this to to come down here and help out because you got a DUI or something right yeah. I guess that's what he's assuming it's something I was in trouble and I had to work off hours mm-hmm. um, and I said you know no actually I'm not here with any program <laughs> like it's because I believe I just, in Jesus Christ <laughs> have you ever heard of him <laughs> like I'm just kind of here helping out and uh, like this place is amazing um, I'm actually studying to be a priest I'm in North Side of Chicago and um, he was super interested and really excited and he goes you know what that's amazing because our pastors like seeing you here, you, that's something that I can be proud of as a Christian. Seeing you here is someone that I can kind of brag about. Like I can hold you up and say, um, this is someone who represents my faith, who represents a, my worldview that I'm extremely proud of. Because mm-hmm. you don't have to be down here. And you're down here not for community hours, but just because you believe in the gospel, you believe in Jesus Christ. He's, he's preaching this to me, that's okay? awesome. which is always how it happens. And he's like, well, I'm Lutheran, Missouri... Um, what is it? Lutheran, yeah, Missouri Synod. And uh, he said, you know, we're not, we're not exactly the same, but we have a lot of things in common. Um, but him saying, I, thank you, because you're someone, that's something I can be proud of. That's exactly what you're talking about, mm-hmm. is it's not, oh man, what am I, I have to make sure that I'm doing the right thing and making sure that I'm looking good. But when you're worried, when you're concerned for love of other, other people, that's something that they can take in and treasure as their own. Like my father, mm-hmm. that's someone I'm very, very proud of. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't do anything because it looks good or because he's trying to impress somebody else or trying to put on a facade that he's a good person. No, he's doing it purely out of love for his children, mm-hmm. purely out of love for others. Well, when you have that many kids, you don't have so much time to think about yourself. Yeah. I think that's the the point. It's like and that's not much of your energy too, right? Not much of your energy goes into like polishing the facade. Yeah, because it's just all it is is the action is pure love. And after a while, when it becomes so ingrained in that, and that, man, homeless people and you work with them, it's like a smack in the face. I was blown away talking to this guy, like, and I'm the seminarian here. You know how much we go and learn. I mean, it almost brought me to tears talking to this guy and just how excited he was to talk to me just because I was kind of down there on, on my own with this other group. But yeah, you don't have much time to polish your, your image to make mm-hmm. sure that you're looking good. How many, I mean, how many spiritual children do you have? What me? is your parish? Yeah. Oh, good question. Uh, I think there's like 
1,500 families or something like that, plus the Mission Parish. Uh, plenty is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Three dogs north are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. And down.